Ephesians and chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I need to repeat one or two announcements. First of all, those of our friends who were here and have not yet had your pictures taken on my camera, uh, please let's meet in the church office after the brief members meeting so that I can take your pictures. All right, so please don't forget to do that. And then um, one more note to do with the marriage and family life seminar that is scheduled for this coming Saturday. Um, remember, these are special seminars that the elders have introduced this year that are helping us as believers to be salt and light in the world. These are not our regular kind of ministry outreach activities. Normally, as ministries, we target the, the non-Christian world as we do our seminars, workshops, meetings, conferences, and so on. Because ministries are outreach vehicles for the church. However, we have introduced special seminars that are meant not only to equip us as members of the church, but also to enable the wider family of God's people uh, to really meet with the challenge of being salt and light in the world through our various careers, through music and media, through the educational uh, channels, through uh, the world of politics and governance, and, and so forth, so that in the midweek, between our Sundays, we are impacting our generation. And one of the vehicles that we specifically have targeted is that of marriage and family life. I'll give you a typical example. Um, I don't know how many of you know which country in the world today has the fastest growing church. The whole globe, the country in which Christianity is growing the fastest. I'll give you the answer, and it might come to you as a surprise. It is Iran. Iran is the country in which Christianity is growing the fastest, and Iran is the country in which you are not allowed to organize the evangelistic activities. You're not allowed to do so. I was, in fact, just this week uh, moderating a webinar where one of the panelists is a pastor from Iran, and he was testifying that you're not allowed to do that. You get arrested, and yet Christianity is growing the fastest. It is growing the fastest through believers' lives, being salt and light. That's what's causing the non-Christian population to then come to them in private to ask for answers. And one of those is simply their family lives, the way in which 
it is a complete contrast to what is happening out in the, their community, in the society, and in the world. And that's what we're seeking to do through you. So this is not just about, ah, I'm not married, so I won't go there. This is about you learning about how marriage and family life can actually be a means of us impacting the world. So those of you who are members really are not the ones being invited because it's yours. Rather, it's you to then invite your friends, both those who are single, those who are married, those who've got children, etc., etc. Invite them as fellow believers so that we have a multiplication effect so that in 10, 20, 30 years, this multiplication effect may give us a stronger church. So it's this coming Saturday in the afternoon, 14 to 17 hours. So if we can, each one of us, just commit ourselves, not just to attend, but to invite friends who are Christians to come so that we learn together from Pastor Kalifungwa how we can do this. Okay, so I've taken a bit of time there because it was essential that we don't think marriage and ritual ministry is doing its seminar. It's actually the, one of those that is the whole church, but marriage enrichment ministry is the vehicle that we are using to organize. Okay, so let me uh, read to you from Ephesians chapter 1. I will commence from verse 3, although we are looking at verse 11. And I'm doing so because it's one entire sentence. And so we will just gulp in its full content. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption, through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom, and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which is set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him 
we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Easily the longest sentence in the entire Bible. And you can't blame the Apostle Paul here because he is celebrating the unsearchable riches of Christ and inviting us to participate in the same. And what you easily notice from these words is the way in which it goes from the work that the Father has done in our salvation, the work that the Son has done in our salvation, and thirdly and lastly, the work that the Holy Spirit has done in our salvation. All that brought together in this short compass in verse 3 down to verse 14. Last time when we were looking at this, we were in verse 13. In fact, rather in verse 9 and 10, where we saw how God has revealed to us in the scriptures what his plan is and his plan is that at the end of time he would have reconciled to himself and to one another all things in heaven and all things on earth in the Lord Jesus Christ that's the agenda of God it is a cosmic agenda. It goes beyond the globe. It's not just global. It is universal. That is what he is working towards from eternity to eternity. And I trust that you were able to take a few steps backwards and just drink in that reality that you are, as a Christian, part of a great historic enterprise that God is involved in. Well, today, as we enter into verse 11, almost all our visions have a new paragraph. That paragraph was not there when Paul was writing. It was still one sentence he is continuing. But almost every body that has come up with a version of the Bible has sensed that there is almost a changing of gears as the Apostle Paul begins verse 11. And therefore, to capture something of that changing of gears, 
they have introduced a new paragraph. What is that changing of gears? Well, you'll notice that when we came to the end of verse 10, you, you had the uniting of all things in heaven and on earth. The changing of gears is coming back again to you as an individual and your participation in all this. It is basically answering the question, why am I saved and not my friend, not my friends, not my relatives? Why me? That's basically the question. How do I find myself in the midst of this great banqueting hall? It's like, if I could use an example, you, you've been invited to State House for, for a meal. And as you arrive there, you find the, the let's use the phrase, the great names in government and, and the great names in industry and, and the great names in business and so forth, they, they are there. And then you notice that your friends are not there. The guys you normally rub shoulders with. And so you, you start asking yourself the question, who am I? And why am I here? What is it that I've done that my friends haven't done that caused the president to send me this individualized invitation card to be here? What is it that makes the difference? Now this time, it's not just an invitation to State House or White House or whatever house. It is to heaven itself. And therefore, it blows your mind a thousand times over. This great feast of salvation that we are celebrating today. Why me? The answer of the Apostle Paul is that it is an inheritance that you obtain freely obtained based on God's predestination, based on God's providence. Based on God's predestination, based on God's providence. Verse 11, again. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Firstly then, our salvation can be viewed as simply obtaining an inheritance in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's all. It is simply obtaining an inheritance. Now most of you will appreciate this because you've probably inherited something from your deceased parents. 
I live in an inherited home where I stay in Chadley. Uh, my parents died and there it was, literally free here. You can live in it. Some of you, it's a gun you inherited from your parents, uh, which you've never used, Chimututila. Others, it might be a car or money that was given and so on. And you know that at the end of it all, it's dependent on two things. One is that it's something you did not work for. It, it's, it's a free gift that has been given to you. You, you. you can't boast about it. All you can do is to say thank you that you have received this freely. And then the second aspect is that it hangs on your relationship with those who have bequeathed it to you. Just those two things. One is free, and the second is that it is because of who you are to them, or putting it another way, who they are to you. And that's the reason why that little phrase at the beginning of verse 11 is so important. In him. In him. We've been coming across it again and again throughout the verses that are there before us. For instance, verse 3, who has blessed us in Christ. Verse 4, he chose us in him. And so forth. We've, we've been doing this over and over again. And we are back to this. Because ultimately, it is all something that is because we are incorporated in Christ Jesus. That's the reason why we then have this inheritance. But the question arises, what is this? This inheritance that we have obtained, what is it? Before I answer it, I want you to notice that it is not in the future tense, it is in the past tense. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. It is something we have acquired, something which is already ours. What is that? Well, it's everything. Everything in the package of salvation. Everything. It's what earlier the Apostle Paul was referred, referring to in verse 3. Let's go back to, there. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ. Again, notice, he's done that already. It's in the past tense. He has blessed us. The opposite side is that we have obtained it. From his side, he has blessed us freely. And what is it? Here it is. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every one of them. There's not a single 
spiritual blessing that he has held back from us. Let me quickly try and uh, go through some of them. Regeneration, for instance, what we refer to as being born again, born from above, all that has come to us. Faith as a gift of God is also something that has been given to us. Repentance, again, as a gift of God has been freely given to us. Justification, in other words, pardon and being declared as righteous with being clothed with the righteousness of God himself, freely given to us. Eternal life, everlasting life, a life that defies the grave, that also has already been given to us as the gift of God. The very life of God has been imbued to us. Um, eternal security. In other words, the final perseverance that we will inevitably have that will bring us to glory, that also thrown into the works. Adoption. We are not only individuals who are pardoned, but we've been brought into the family of God. We are his children. In fact, if I can even add, we are his sons. Whether we are males or females, we are his sons. And because we are sons, we are heirs of God. May I also throw in there the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He resides in each one of us who are the children of God. May I throw in peace as well. Peace within that peace that surpasses all understanding, fellowship with God, I can throw that in as well, that I actually walk with God, I talk with God, I have fellowship with God, throw in fellowship with other believers, that also is a gift of God that brings us together collectively into the church of the living God, having brothers and sisters who love me, who care for me, who speak into my life when I am going through any form of difficulties, even when I am stubbornly hanging on to that which is wrong, they come, they look me in the face, they rebuke me, and consequently help me in my walk, including the shepherds, that he brings into my life, the elders that therefore oversee me, the deacons that seek to provide in the daily necessities of life, the church in that sense. Contentment and joy, joy obviously produced by the Spirit of God within my own soul. May I add the sanctification, glorification, heaven itself, the mansions bright, the streets of gold. I mean, I can go on and on and on and on. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, or to borrow the phrase that Paul uses, 
in uh, chapter 3, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Unsearchable, I keep saying, doesn't mean we cannot search them out. What it means is that we cannot exhaustively search them out. All that makes up this inheritance that we have obtained. We have obtained. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. The thing that I want us to recognize is this, that from God's perspective, all this is as good as ours. It's our experience of most of this that still lies ahead. At least still lies ahead. But otherwise, it is as good as ours. I was using the example of uh, the home in which we live. My dad died in the year 2000. My mom much, much earlier. So having died, that was it. We finally moved into the houses in 2013. But there was a 13-year period when nothing could change because the one who gave it has already died. We only experience it later. It's exactly the same way. You see, one of the difficulties we have in today's world is what is called over, in theological circles, it's called over-realized eschatology. Now, don't worry, I'll explain what that word, that phrase means. You will hear people saying, as Christians, you are not supposed to be sick. Why? Because through the death of Christ, he has purchased your healing. Now, in a sense, that's true. He has. But friends, we do get sick. The truth is this, that a time will come when death, sickness, sorrow, everything that goes with this life now will be no more. It's a matter of time. So to say, well, you know, as a Christian, you, you can, you, you, you're not supposed to be broke. Well, I don't know about you, but I do get broke every so often. And I still think I'm saved. But the truth is, where I'm going, there will be no being broke. I'll be staying in a mansion that Jesus has gone to prepare. The street outside my home will be paved with gold. But I haven't arrived there yet. And sadly, often the very people who are claiming that you're not supposed to be broke, they just don't want to admit it. If we could get out their bank statements, they would blush. They are broke. 
And often they are swindling God's people out of their money in order for them to claim to have riches. So the point I'm trying to mention here is this, that we have obtained potentially. It's ours. It's in the past tense. But it is also futuristic. Now, is this something I'm dreaming up? No. Look at verse 14. Look at verse 14. Having spoken about the promised Holy Spirit, he says this, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So there's a sense in which, yes, we've obtained it, but there's another sense in which we are yet to obtain it. We're yet to possess it. But the Holy Spirit who has been given to us guarantees that it is a matter of time. It's a matter of time. Christ has died. We are incorporated into him. Nothing can change. All the unsearchable riches of Christ, every spiritual blessing will be ours in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul gives us the basis on which we can today say it is done. It is done. And as I already said to you, there are two of them. First of all, this inheritance has been obtained because of God's predestination, because of God's plan, because of God's purpose. There it is in verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him. And then he tells us about his providence. We'll hang on to that in a moment. Having been predestined according to this. Now again, he is simply restating what he already said in verse 3, verse 4, and the first part of verse 5. So let's go back to those words. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Listen to this, of the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So there it is, his election. He chose us while he passed others by. That we should be holy and blameless before him. Listen to this. In love, he predestined us. And as I've said to you before, predestined simply means predetermining an end. Predetermining an end. And what is that end? There it is. For adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. For adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. And then he says there, according to the purpose of his will. The point he's making is quite simple. He had just been dealing with the cosmos. 
the bigger picture, what God is doing in the grand design in all wisdom and insight is revealed this to us and then he is saying in that bigger picture you have a share and the reason why you have a share is because at the dawn of time before time even began before genesis 1 verse 1 he had chosen you that you will have that share. He predetermined the end that you have now become a participant of. So in our verse, he speaks in terms of we having already obtained. In verse 13, he also changes there and says in him, you also, when you um, heard the word of your salvation and so on and so forth. In other words, there is we who have already done so. There is you who have also done so. It's exactly the same. Each one in his own time, but it is according to plan. There's one thing in common between us who have already inherited you who've recently come into salvation and consequently have inherited, and it is that all of us were already predestined. All of us. Let me try and put it this way to you. It must be obvious. No one becomes a true Christian unless God predestined him to become one in eternity past. Nobody ever comes into this inheritance unless he was already predetermined. Now, I've already answered the question, isn't that unfair? I've already answered it. And the point I've made all the time is simple. If God had not chosen nobody would be a Christian, nobody. Because we are all dead, spiritually dead. We need someone else outside of us to infuse life into us that we might begin to respond to anything. And he has done that to those whom he predetermine their end and that's what we're learning together when we saw he chose us he predestined us and then through Christ he purchased our salvation so instead of us trying to play the the game of fairness fairness which would lead all of us to hell rather we should be stunned with gratitude at the thought that God chose us. We should be stunned at the thought that he predetermined to bless us with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus.
we should be amazed and overwhelmed at the thought that he has done that for us. Especially knowing how stubbornly sinful we were. And in fact, continue to be because he simply continues not only to save, but to sanctify us. And we know he's not finished with us yet. We should be stunned with gratitude. I've often used this example, and I hope it still rings true. Remember, Christ has chosen us to be his bride. He is the bridegroom. And any bridegroom has a right to choose his bride. Any bridegroom. And that's what Jesus Christ has done. Now you try and imagine that day when a young man goes to a lady with his engagement ring in his pocket and to borrow what we are now copying from the West, the young man falls on his knees, pretends the girl is surprised and offers her this ring. But let's put all the acting aside. But let's, let's just imagine that girl saying, it's not fair. What about all the other sisters in the Lord in the church? It's not fair. Why should you choose me? We will not only take her to Chinama, we will take her to the prison in Chinama. What the Lord has done is he has fixed his eternal love on you. That's what he's done. And it should simply blow your mind that he should do a thing like that rather than start acting on the basis of fairness because fairness would lead all of us to hell. But let's quickly hurry on. That's only the first basis. The second basis is that of a God who works in all things in history to achieve his goal. He works in all things in history to achieve his goal. Verse 11 again. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according, listen to this, to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his own will. The Apostle Paul here is simply digging deeper. He began with eternity first and said, that's the source, that's where things have come from. And then he says, and this God who chose you 
has then been working everything since then according to plan. And that's how that history has finally caught up with you. Nothing has been left to chance. Nothing. God had a plan, and he is now working according to the wisdom of that same plan, according to the counsel of his own will. And it will not just stop on the day of your salvation. That plan will continue all the way to the day you die, all the way into eternity. It will continue. He works all things according to that purpose. All things. The second part of verse 5 is basically the same thing. There it is. I'll read verse 5 again. In love, he predestined us for adoption. So that's the predestination. As sons through Jesus Christ. And listen to this. According to the purpose of his will. We could as well say, according to the counsel of his will. That's really what we are dealing with there. Now, that's not true about us as human beings. Because as human beings, we are not omniscient, we are not all-knowing, and we are not omnipotent. We are not all-powerful. And therefore, a lot of plans that we make end up not working out. A few examples is economics. You may have budgeted. This is the way you get to wherever you get. And then exchange rates begin to change. Emphasis in marketing forces begin to change. And before you know it, you either must change or you go bankrupt. Or sometimes it's just the weather. You were planning to go out and have a picnic and the clouds begin to gather. Dark clouds, thick clouds. And just before you leave, a few raindrops begin hitting the ground. You know that you will be a fool to try and go out this afternoon. And therefore, you cancel those plans. And sometimes it's just other people's plans. You, you agreed with others that let's go and do something, and then you start receiving text messages. Sorry, I have, uh, you remember the biblical one, I've married a wife, and uh, I've, I've just bought some cows, I need to go and give them a test run, and so on and so forth. And people just begin backing out. And you realize, hey, this can't work today. Let us cancel it. Sometimes it's a virus. Like COVID. That disturbs everything. And as a result, your plans cannot be carried out. It's not like that with God. Not one bit. He knows all things. Before God 
all the details of today and all the details of tomorrow and all the details of next year and all the details of history, everything is as one drawing in front of him. He sees all things. Indeed, he plans all things. And he is powerful enough to carry out all things. He doesn't sit there wondering what on earth might happen, unsure about something in the future. No. And that's one reason why, if you notice in our Bible reading earlier on today, in John 19, over and over again it was to fulfill what was written in the Scriptures. It was to fulfill what was written in the Scriptures. It was to fulfill, I mean, to the minutest details it was to to, to fulfill what was written in the scripture. Why? He knows all things. He's powerful to carry out his own will. Nothing can stand in his way. All the circumstances that led to the day of your salvation, all those circumstances were perfectly according to plan. Perfect. All the circumstances that will work out to finally bring you to glory, they are all according to plan. To borrow the words of Paul to the Romans, we know that in all things, God works together for the good of those who love him, who are the called according to his purpose. In all things, he's working. He's working. He's working. Well, friends, that's how we have, our, we have obtained our inheritance in Christ. That is how we've obtained it potentially, and in the end we will realize it, we'll experience it. It is because of God's predestination, it is because of God's providence. He's in charge of history in absolutely every sense. So let's quickly answer that question again. How have I found myself? in State House, among such a privileged lot. How? It is because he planned it sovereignly, freely. And it's because he's in absolute control of everything that his will must inevitably be realized. It's the president. It's the king. In this particular case, it is the king of kings. It is the lord of lords who determined it out of a love that is absolutely uncomprehensible. 
I cannot take it in. He chose me and made me a target, a focus of his infinite love. Our salvation, therefore, is an obtained inheritance based on God's predestination and providence. So we must always think like this. Predestination, providence has caught up with me and said, here you are. My glorious inheritance in Christ. Is that the way you think about your salvation? Or do you always think in terms of your own cleverness? Somehow you made a, a, a wise decision. Your friends cannot think straight. You thought straight. That all perhaps God did was to through Christ to, to purchase empty seats in heaven. And you were one of the clever ones who jumped in before all the seats got full. Is that the way you think? Or are you totally mesmerized that God has graciously decided to include you in this glorious, glorious, redemptive plan in which he is uniting all things in heaven and on earth in Christ Jesus. And not just in terms of including you, but giving to you every, every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So that outside Jesus, you don't need anything. He is your summum bonum, your highest good. It is in him, in him, in him. And therefore, you are satisfied with Christ. You can say to people, take whatever you want from me, take whatever, or deprive me of anything. But give me Jesus. Christ is enough for me because all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms are mine in him all the unsearchable riches of Christ are mine in him therefore even though I have not yet experienced all of them I thirst to finally get to heaven and glory to, to, to drink, as it were, from, from the, the fire brigade horse pipe, gushing out all its goodness upon me. But I have mercy drops that I'm enjoying now. And I keep saying to myself, if this is how sweet and satisfying it is now, heaven. I cannot wait for you. Let's pray. Eternal and gracious God in heaven, we thank you that even now we can begin to celebrate the unsearchable riches of Christ. 
O Lord. Who are we? Lord, who are we? That you should bless us with such a heritage. Who are we? Open our eyes as the Apostle Paul himself goes on to say later that that's his prayer for the Ephesians that their eyes might be opened to all this. Often the things of this world, the temporal things, make us to start feeling sorry for ourselves because our friends have what we do not have. Open our eyes to the immeasurable inheritance that you have freely bestowed on us. That our celebration might reach the highest heavens in terms of the joy and exuberance in our souls. Do this for us but as we shall be seeing next time, ultimately, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.